0: Hello, hello, and welcome to Non-Technical, where I, your host, Alexis Gay, interview influential folks from tech, media, business, and beyond about everything except their resumes. Today on the show, I can truly and earnestly say a long-awaited episode. We have Breanne Kimmel, the founder of WorkLife, though she's done a lot of other super impressive, very interesting things prior to that, which admittedly, I'm not going to ask her that much about. Brienne, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I've been such a long time fan. (laughs) I cannot believe you haven't been on the pod yet. (laughs) I forgot. I thought that I had been on the show. So as I see new episodes coming out, I'm like, wow, the show's just getting better and better. (laughs) I truly, my COVID brain (sighs) forgot that I had not been on the show yet. Me too. The reality distortion field. (laughs) Are you ready to dive in? Yeah, let's do it. Hell yeah. This episode of Non-Technical is brought to you by Knock, the most powerful notifications infrastructure you'll never build. So I'm not an engineer, but I've worked with enough engineers to understand that building your notifications infrastructure in-house is, um, is hard, <laughs> like really hard. It doesn't seem hard at first because we all send texts, but then it's time to go multi-channel. And soon your simple decision trees start to look like a terrifying decision forest and it's getting dark out. But by the time you've weed whacked your way through, your users are clamoring for another comms channel. Luckily, there's a better way. With Knox's Powerful API, you get a complete product notification system that includes batching, cross-channel delivery, and preference management, so users can choose which notifications they want to be alerted about. Who doesn't love a flexible, reliable notifications infrastructure set up in minutes? Hey, don't knock it till you try it. That's not actually their slogan, but it probably should be. Anyway, get started today for free at knock.app slash non-technical. That's knock, K-N-O-C-K dot slash non-technical. Bree Kimmel is the founder of WorkLife, a future of work focused venture firm that writes the first check to technical founders and helps with the not so technical stuff like go to market and building a great place to work. She's an early investor in Webflow, deal pietra and other tools for work free kimmel welcome to non-technical thank you so much for having me i'm so happy to have you something that's not in your bio is that you and work life were the very first sponsor of this show i remember when you had shared the vision for the show and yes. as someone that listens to way too many tech podcasts <laughs> i was super stoked i'm like there's so many people that i've sat next to at dinner for many years. And I have no idea if they're married, if they have kids, if they have hobbies, like what do they do outside (laughs) of all this tech stuff? I love this because it's been such a nice opportunity to really get to know the people that I work with on a daily basis in a more intimate way. Well, I can truly say that the show wouldn't exist without you. So you being the first sponsor meant a lot to me as a friend and it means a lot to me now. We are almost coming up on a hundred episodes. Oh my God. It's coming up. Can you believe it? (laughs) I, I know. don't know if I'm supposed to say, does that make us feel old? Like a hundred I don't episodes, even know. That's, that's a lot. To- like that's a, that's a lot. It makes us feel successful. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I have to show you. Did you see my mug? I have a Nathan Felder been- mug. This is, yeah. <laughs> Oh my God, that's amazing. You know, as as a VC, I get sent all of these branded sweatshirts and mugs and all these things, which I do tend to use on a daily basis. However, I decided to switch it up and I'm rocking a Nathan Felder mug for goodbye. I am so honored that you chose my podcast to have that mug for today. That is a massive, (laughs) massive compliment. I'm a huge fan of his, of course, is a huge fan of the rehearsal on HBO. Did you watch? Yeah, huge fan. Oh my God, unreal. Well, Brie, I'm so happy to have you here. Obviously, we're friends in real life, and uh, and you were the first sponsor of Non Technical. Though you've never been on, and we co-hosted a podcast together for HubSpot. We got to do this. This is like such a throwback. Yeah. <laughs> This is like many days of the pandemic. It was what, two or three days per week? It was awesome. Yes, it was awesome. I was reminiscing on it because I just moved and I had to hack together a podcast setup and it was reminiscent of those days where I did not have a place to live. And so I would start our podcast recordings. I'd be like, hey, I'm on the ground. My computer's on a cardboard box. The mic is over here. Bounce on the bed, but I'm fine. It's good. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, God bless HubSpot for being so flexible because yes. there were multiple times where we were nomading <laughs> in different cities and my yeah. uh, setup was not up to par for sure. Deep same, deep same. Well, anyway, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so happy to have you. I want to start here. How did you spend your last day off? I find in venture in the work that I'm doing, I have a bit more calendar flexibility. Yeah, I, yeah. I sometimes like working on Sundays and so I'll catch up on email or do some work on Sundays. And then every once in a while, I'll just take a, you know, random Tuesday or Wednesday off. The last one that I took off, is actually very funny in this kind of goes back to, to some of my hobbies during the pandemic. I love cooking. Yeah, but I find and I'm sure so many people agree. It's like when you're working full time, or you're traveling a lot or all the life stuff that ends up happening, cooking has truly become a hobby. It's not a daily activity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so the last day off, I actually I had bought some new cookbooks. And on my day off, I went to the grocery store and I cooked a meal. And I honestly, that's so felt nice. So great. And so relaxed, because it just felt like a normal thing that I would love to do on a daily basis. But I oftentimes settle for Uber Eats or Postmates or yeah. lately I've been getting a lot of meals from chef. You buy a cookbook when you visit a new city, right? I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where was this recent cookbook from? This one would be different from the others. So I've never been to Malaysia. I ended up finding this really cool Malaysian cookbook just at a bookstore in Oakland. Nice. So I bought it and decided to to kind of experiment with some recipes there because I haven't been. Long story short, I spent most of my 20s living and traveling throughout Asia. So I yeah. lived in Australia, bought a bunch of cookbooks there, lived in Hong Kong for a bit, bought cookbooks there. And everywhere that I go, I try to pick up a cookbook. I'm not a super souvenirs kind of person. Like yeah. I don't really have a lot of clothes. I've mostly, you know, lived in different places and kind of keep things as minimalist as possible, knowing that I like to bounce around. But cookbooks are the one thing where it's like actually very heavy and hard to transport, but it's really Seriously. special and something that I use on an ongoing basis okay, well, if you do have to move again or you have to move somewhere where you have to ship things, do you know about media mail? Oh, no, I don't. People need to know about media mail. It's a service offered by the United States Postal Service. They will ship books and other media at a much, much, much lower cost oh. as long as everything in the box is technically media. So <laughs> I'm just letting you know, and this helps me get all of my books from New York to San Francisco at a much lower cost. So I just feel like I need to spread the gospel of media mail. I love that, but what I was really hoping is I thought you were going to offer that I could store all my books... Turn it into some sort of like remote work destination for people that want to cook. That would be incredible. Yes, just like a giant library. That would be beautiful. Beauty and the Beast style. It's like in Zoolander, it's like a creating a library for people can't, yes. who can't read good. I'd love to just create like a center for people who can't cook well. I am the right person to be hanging on to those books in that case. That's great. Okay, well, maybe next time we hang out, we could cook together. Maybe you can teach me. That'd be fun. I would love to. Is there a song that whenever you hear it totally takes you back in time? I have a confession to make so during the pandemic well I told you I made a tiki bar in the backyard yes. that's been like my my COVID thing is I, I learned to make cocktails and I made this tiki bar in this really ugly shed that was in my backyard. I also had this really tiny room that—I don't even know what you would call it. It, It's not large enough to be another bedroom. It's not large Mm. enough to be an office because there's no sunlight. It's it's literally this small room that's next to my washer and dryer that's kind of in the basement. Okay. And so I turned that into a karaoke room. What? What I realized is in having friends over to sing karaoke or in just, like, going through the catalog of all the songs— A lot of the songs that we listened to growing up are not, like, the lyrics are not good. Oh, yeah. I had a group of friends over, one of my friends, he had said, oh, well, great duet song, like, let's all do Barbie Girl. So (laughs) we we sang Barbie Girl. And this is, like, the most misogynistic, horrible song I've ever heard before. Aqua in the 90s. Aqua in the 90s, but as a kid that was probably in elementary school, I think it was definitely before uh, middle school or high school. I knew every word, and now I'm like, oh, it's kind of weird. My friend and I asked my mom what Hanky Panky means. (laughs) <laughs> and she was like what? <laughs> we we're like yeah, it's in the song about Barbies, you know, dolls. It was something. <laughs> That's great. I love Rihanna and mm. obviously she's going to be doing the Super Bowl and I just think she's um such an awesome entrepreneur and a great example for mm-hmm. women, especially women of color where what she's built with Fenty is so incredible whether oh my it's God. lingerie that comes Amazing. with Victoria's Secret or cosmetics that finally reflect the skin tones of, you know, so many people that have been underserved forever. I recently revisited the song that she did with Kanye and the guy from the Beatles. Oh, wait, Paul McCartney? Wait, was it four or five seconds? Is that that one? Yeah, love the song, love the music video. Mm -hmm. I was reflecting on how funny it is that when Paul McCartney, Rihanna, and Kanye came out with this song, Kanye's fans, like, went crazy on Twitter. They're like, who is this guy? Paul McCartney is about to blow up this guy's career. Like how the heck did this old guy get on a song with Kanye? And so I think we're starting to see, like I love these collabs where you're introducing new generations to the last generation's music. And it's like all of these crossovers that are happening right now, I just think are, are so important for culture. Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh, I was on the train a few weeks ago and someone came on the train, a performer, and he had a guitar and he was so good that I took my headphones out to listen to him play. He was belting it out, this Oasis song, Don't Look Back in Anger. And he's just belting it out, like doing a great job. And these teenagers, a couple feet away, look at him and they are like really into it. And it was really cool to see because normally everyone's just on their phone. They're really getting into him. They're like, dude, he's so good. It's great. And then at the end, again, let me just restate. This is Don't Look Back in Anger by Oasis. The teenagers say, was that an original song? Uh. <laughs> And the guy was like, no, it came out a few <laughs> decades ago, but it was nice. Like everyone was super wholesome and earnest in that interaction. It was really lovely, but I was just like, wow, I got to watch three people here Oasis for the first time. That was dope. <laughs> That's great. Cause I feel like I only know one song from Oasis, so. Is it Wonderwall? <laughs> of course. I'm not going to sing it, but it, you've heard this other song. <laughs> I'll look it up after. I love Oasis. Okay, good. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check it out. Okay, so tell me this. What is the tiniest hill that you're willing to die on? I don't like flaky people. I have real <laughs> issues. I myself in my 20s was very flaky. And I had a a really awesome friend when I was living Sydney at the time that was like, if you're late one more time, like I'm never talking to you again. Oh, my God. That really oh shook my God. me into being a very responsible person. You know, everyone's busy. I do find that I'm very mindful of my time and other people's time. Mm. I find most of my Best friendships are people that you can really count on and people that show up on time. Sure. I think over time, my tolerance for flakiness has really gone down. What's the cliff at which it starts to feel flaky? Like if someone is late more than a couple times? I would say so. You know, it's interesting. We opened Work Life Studios in Los Angeles. Oh, Um, yeah. We were exploring a couple locations. We were looking in Brooklyn. We were looking at Wynwood in Miami. We landed on Silver Lake because we just found the most awesome location yeah. next to a bunch of really cool stores. And in spending a bit more time in LA, you realize that it is a city filled with shiny objects. And so there's always <laughs> something slightly more interesting to do. Yes. I have found that we have made a really intentional effort of hosting a lot of events and really like cultivating the community down in LA, but I would say we look for people that are more givers than they are takers. Yeah. And the reason yes. being, I, I find that in this world, it's very easy to dip out of things or to find something that's slightly more interesting. And yes, so I of think course. that's just more of a tangible example. I totally agree. Does it bother you if you yourself are running late? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, even today I was I was running five, 10 minutes late. I, was, I said, let's make it 1230 just in case yeah, to for give, sure. a, give us a bit more of a buffer. I think that's different though. Cause I think that's like, you're getting proactively ahead of it and saying, let's do it later versus just like showing up late. Sure. Yeah. It's a good yeah. point. Yeah. It's a good point. It's interesting though. I don't, I don't know if you've noticed this as well. You know, I think the pandemic has taught people a lot about who they are and who they want to be. Mm-hmm. And I have found that a lot of my deepest relationships that I have today were people that are want to be a better friend or yeah. want to show up on time or mm-hmm. you know want to do be more proactive with sort of how they spend their time. I would like to think we're all getting better sort of as a society yeah. at really showing up for other people, but it's something that I really try to stay ahead of and want to make sure that I'm showing up on time and give people the time and attention they need. Totally. It's rare that I'm on my phone around other people. Because if I'm with somebody, I want to really be with them. Yeah, absolutely. You can always look at your phone. Well, and, I mean, and you, you know, you're doing a lot of stand-up lately. One yeah. thing that I absolutely love about stand-up venues, not all of them, but some of them. I know it's time-consuming and it's annoying for the venues to do this. I love when you put your phone in a locked bag. Me too. I do too. I really love it. Not that I want to buy a bunch of these bags and like force people when they come over to my house for dinner to use yeah. these, but- I think it's such a valuable tool to say, like, this is an important time. It's respect for, you know, the person who is doing the entertaining. It's also respectful for the people around you where it's so easy to get caught up when you're in social settings where you pull out your phone, you start Googling things and using Mm -hmm. the phone as a as a resource or as a tool for the conversation I think it's very different when you don't have technology as a tool at all and you're forced to have meaningful conversations. Okay. So the thing you said about you wouldn't necessarily do it if you were having people over for dinner, I have legitimately thought about that. I've never done it because I wouldn't want to be perceived as it feels a little controlling to be like, everybody put your phones in this bowl and then we're putting the bowl away or whatever. But it has crossed my mind because I find that I just have such better interactions when everybody has bought into this idea that we're all talking together. Would you ever do it? Would you ever put phones in a bag or phones in a bowl for a dinner party? I would do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah? I mean, I am less nervous about it feeling controlling. I think that if you set the tone, it's like when you go to one of these like salon dinners where like, the purpose of this yes, dinner is, yes, yes, to, yes, yes. is to talk about this specific topic. I think that is one format for dinner that a lot of people have warmed up to. That being said, I'm a little bit of a, uh, not a worrier, but I like to make sure that I know exactly what's going on in the world. And so mm. I think it would be harder for maybe parents or certain people to put their phone yeah, away. Exactly. Because they might kind of need sure. that, that notification. Totally. Damn. Okay. I think you're right. We played a game once where we all put our phones in the middle of the table at dinner in a stack and no one was allowed to access any of them. And I forget why we decided to do this. I think we thought it would be fun or funny. And then we guessed before we all took our phones back, we all put in guesses for how many texts we thought each individual person had. Oh, that's funny. And we gamified it. Yeah. It was fun. I have heard, I don't know if this is still true. It may have changed over time, but I know the rule at Andreessen Horowitz has always been, if you're late to a meeting, then you pay the founder for the number of minutes that you're late. I think the same could also be true for someone that frequently checks their phone or someone that's late as well. Oh, like there's a tax to checking your phone. Okay. This is very interesting. This is interesting. Interesting. Okay. Food for thought. Tell me this. Do you have any truly useless talents? You know, when I was younger, I did dance. I did gymnastics. I'm incredibly coordinated and could probably still do many of those same things. But, you know, as you get older, you don't end up doing any of the things that you did when you were younger. Yeah. So you don't dance anymore? Rarely. Yeah, rarely. Just like weddings and stuff? Weddings. Yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah, let me think about this. I feel like that's a useful skill, being able to dance. It's like you can whip it out every once in a while. Yeah, it's kind of funny because I, I feel like I've gotten shyer with age, which is not really? true for a lot of people. But when I was young, I used to dance a lot. I did gymnastics. I was always out and about. I think over time, I've become more introverted, where it's like a lot mm. of my hobbies are either cooking and then having a handful of people over yeah. or reading, which is like a purely independent and you totally. know, very introvert sort of activity. Do you consider yourself an introvert overall? I would say so. Yeah, Yeah. it's kind of funny. I never thought that I was, but I've noticed that my friends see that in me. I'm always down to organize a dinner or bring people together or you know, join something that's a bit more work motivated. Yeah. That being said, if it's my free time, I love just sitting down and reading a book. And I know a lot of introverts said this, like the first six to eight months of the pandemic, it was like, okay, cool. I have plenty of books to read. I have magazines. Like I could be good for a long time just sitting Mm. at home. That makes sense. You would ask me what I thought. I would say introvert, but not because of how you like present socially, but just because of where it seems like you get your energy from. Mm. Yeah, I agree with that. Okay, if you weren't doing what you do now professionally, what would you be doing? I've thought about this a million times. Five years ago, I thought about this and I'm like, I would love to basically be like an Airbnb superhost. I love okay. architecture. I love art. I've been to enough cities where I feel like I have a good read on cool neighborhoods. I'm like, maybe- yeah. Someday in the future, I'll I'll have like 10 to 20 Airbnbs and just make them really cool. That sounds so fun. I've always read about the economics of owning a hotel or owning a hotel chain. A lot of these things, it's like mostly because you enjoy the work. It's not because you're going to make a lot of money. Right. Hospitality can be quite time-consuming and kind of a headache. Yes. But I think the Airbnb option is really cool. And I've been fortunate enough even... You know, in my early 20s, either through couch surfing or using early Airbnb, where I just met some amazing people through that process. And I think it's such a cool style of uh being an entrepreneur and really making sure that it's well designed and thoughtful and i love the idea of like real estate planning and finding the next cool neighborhood nice okay cool i could definitely see you doing that and you have a wonderful sense for design and style and aesthetic so i feel like all of them would be decorated really nicely and the photos look really good oh thank you of course what is the most recent time you laughed the hardest this is going to go full circle. As I mentioned, I love Nathan Felder. I yeah. love Nathan for you. I loved the rehearsal, mm-hmm. although the rehearsal for certain episodes, like was maybe Ooh. too much for me. Tough. Very heavy, tough. Very, tough. <laughs> very tough, very tough. My boyfriend, Jimmy had introduced me to Nathan for you. When it initially came to- came out, I was an expat overseas. It didn't make its way to Australia or to Hong Kong. Yeah. And so I, I yeah. didn't see it we started watching it during the pandemic and as we started getting further and further along into different episodes, Jimmy sort of emotionally prepared me for it because I easily freak out. Like I get very scared watching shows. I laugh very hard. Like I'm like a very, very involved TV watcher. Okay. That's good. You're a good person to have in the audience. He's like, just so you know, <laughs> this next episode, uh, just just pay attention. I'm like, I try to pay attention, sure, but okay, let's see. That's a very interesting qualifier. I was like on the edge of my seat. I'm like, what is what is going to happen in this episode? Like, am I going to get offended? Is it going to yes. be scary? Like, I have no idea what's about to come. So we're watching one of the episodes, and halfway through the episode, my friend father-in-law is on the episode. <gasps> what? I've never laughed so hard in my entire <laughs> life. Like we're watching an episode. It was already really good. And then the cameraman pans to a desk and then this like old Chinese man turns around and it's Jimmy's dad. Oh my God. It's like the first time in <laughs> my life. Like I, there words could not come out of my mouth. I just, was shocked. Oh my God. And then I just started laughing so hard. I, I had wow. to lay on the, like I laid on the ground and started that laughing. Is amazing. Like, it was so funny. And so I asked his dad about it and his dad was like, what are you talking about? So when Jimmy's dad was first getting started as an actor, um, he became an actor after Jimmy and he did this as more of uh, an extra. And so he oh, didn't know sure. what TV show he was going to be on. Oh and he God, didn't know I'm the sure. circumstance or anything. He just showed up for a day of work as, like, old Chinese man checks into a hotel. Yes, yes. The episode where they're worried about bed bugs and they're carrying the mattress out and there's a Chinese dragon carrying the mattress out of an L.A.-based hotel, Jimmy's dad is the the old man at the front desk. That is amazing. That is... (laughs) Even now, I like I can barely talk about. it. I've never been so shocked and then immediately laughed so hard in my whole life. It was so funny. What did it feel like to see him on screen like that? I thought it was almost a practical joke. I'm like, maybe this is like, is this, like edited like, or something. Yeah, I was like, maybe this is a joke. Like <laughs> I wouldn't. I, I maybe it was something where it was either something that had been edited. Yes. or it was just more this like prank on me. The fact oh that God. it was actually real was so hilarious because I was halfway through watching the show and I was already like fully committed and so yeah. excited and loving and living and breathing every episode. When I realized that someone in the family was oh actually God. on it, I was just, I died. That is amazing. If it had been a prank, that would have been one of the most high level strategic pranks that I've ever heard of. Oh my goodness, Can you imagine? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> private video on YouTube. It's not actually on TV at all. Especially like the long con of getting you super invested in the series for like seasons and seasons and just laying in wait one day knowing. That's an amazing prank. Okay. That's to an file amazing that prank. Away. Yeah. <laughs> Save that for later. Yes. Wow. That's great. What's your most irrational fear? This is getting very personal very quickly. So I had a Dalmatian growing up Mm -hmm. I got a dog when I was four. Okay. His name was Joey. Joey passed away when I was the sophomore in high school. And so I was the most sad sophomore in high school. Oh, Took a week off of school. Like it was very traumatic for me to lose my dog. Yeah. That being said, I have not had a dog since. And so I don't Mm. know if it's because I'm like afraid of owning a dog or afraid that I'm like not going to love a new dog the same as I did my old dog. It's completely irrational. I just now am like, oh, I'm so afraid of like losing people that I love. And I'm so afraid of like getting a new puppy just because Mm -hmm. I know that that bond was so special. And I've I've never wanted to mess with it. Oh, that's really sweet. That's very sweet. (laughs) That's very deep and meaningful for the body. No, it's so deep. (laughs) I love it. Do you have the desire sometimes to get a dog? Yeah. I mean, we've talked about it. This is incredibly funny, but my mother-in-law has trusted me with her pug. For the next month, <gasps> who is like her daughter that she, she, you know, maybe almost loves more than her son. Brienne. this is a big responsibility. massive, ma- massive responsibility. Do you feel the burden here? Do you feel the weight of this dog? the dog comes on thursday and so i do definitely feel the weight of this dog coming i'm so excited for you the thing that i realized that really freaked me out and and sort of scared the shit out of me the other day the dog only understands Shanghainese. (laughs) oh my god i was fine like i love i love (laughs) toffee like she when she's here she feels like my dog i'm so excited to watch her for a month i think this is a good test into like i think it's a great test that being said, there's this like light bulb moment happened where I was like, wait a minute. I don't know how to communicate yes. commands to her because her commands are much different than, than mine. Yes. So what are you going to do? Use Google Translate? Maybe. I thought about using Google Translate. Yeah, you should. I think that sounds like a great idea. <laughs> so my Chinese is going to get better over time. Your Chinese is going to get better, but in a very specific way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're going to be able to tell people to sit, stay go outside. <laughs> That's great. Okay. I'm very excited yeah. for you. I'm excited to hear how this goes. It's a lot of responsibility. I definitely think you can do it. Of course. Have you done a lot of dog sitting before? I feel like you dogs, if you're friends kind of a lot, right? I've dogs out for friends before. During the pandemic, a lot of people were doing this like nomad life. Friends were going and staying in Tahoe for a mm-hmm. month or LA or other parts of, of the city. And you know, I felt like being in San Francisco, it's such a dog-friendly city as well, where there's oh, yeah. so many opportunities Great to take a dog, city for to dogs. dog park. Yeah. I'm around a lot of dogs, so I'm not super nervous about it. I just yeah. think the uh, the language barrier is incredibly funny. That is truly hilarious. You have to not only cross a species barrier, but also a language barrier with this little pug. Would you say the name was Toffee? Toffee, yeah. Oh my God, that's So cute. So cute. Okay, so one thing that I didn't realize when I dog sat for my friend's French bulldog is that dryer sheets are toxic to dogs, especially small dogs. So, be very careful when you're doing the laundry because Oh boy. I had to take him to the urgent care. Oh no. Yeah, oh my. he's fine. He's okay. fine, but it was really just please picture me with my friend's French bulldog who I love this is my favorite dog I'm sure you've seen him on my Instagram it's like that little black French bulldog he's the cutest dog in the world he ate a quarter of a dryer sheet and I had to take him to pet urgent care and like I was crying because I was so scared that I had hurt their dog which they love more than anything yeah and then the vet was just like staring at me because I'm obviously not even the owner it was just a it was very awkward. <laughs> Dogs are the new kids, right? I feel so horrible. There are many times where I'd much rather babysit a human child than a dog just because oh, yeah. there's so many specifics to dogs where I feel like a lot of kids, dep- well, depending on the age, yeah. a little bit easier and more go with the flow. Totally. Do you have a favorite joke? A favorite joke? Yeah. Oh. One you tell or one you've heard? I don't really tell jokes. I always say, like, I love this podcast and, and I love hmm. the opportunity to sort of just shoot the shit and and talk about things outside of work. Because I feel like oftentimes when you work in tech, everyone is very focused on pitching an idea or yes. spitting out a lot of facts or data points over dinner. I love mm. opportunities to just kind of be silly and- It's so true. Talk about just the day-to-day. I know. When we were texting earlier, it was like, looking forward to catching up later, like AKA recording this podcast. No, but it's true, right? I, I see yes. all of these. The New Yorker does an amazing job of poking fun of, of modern culture with a lot of their cartoons. And it's like, yeah, if uh two friends are, you know, a few beers in and they think they're even a little bit interesting, then that's that's how you start a podcast. Like ev- <laughs> anyone and everyone who has ever had a funny conversation yes. at a bar immediately thinks they should turn it into they a, podcast. Start a podcast. And I just think that's yeah. that's where we're at today. It's maybe a PG thirteen joke. I said something funny the other week and I haven't told anyone this yet, so I'm excited <laughs> to tell you. <laughs> the other week you filed it away Ooh, that was good yeah it was like it was like two (laughs) weeks ago and honestly i'm not that funny so i was pretty proud of myself for this one but let's hear it so jimmy and i were watching the evening news as you know i mean the evening news is just filled with craziness on the west coast yes lots of characters yeah it's either people breaking into you know stealing from CVS Mm -hmm. or just all this craziness that's happening in california there was a, a woman on the local news, full-time stripper, okay. who would like to build a labor union for strippers in California because oh. of all of the pandemic-related stuff, right? Like, sure, guests should wear masks or there needs to be different protocols because we're yeah, still yeah. in the pandemic and, and it's a scary time. Where this turned into the joke is that after a lot of information and facts on, on sort of stripper culture during the pandemic... Mm-hmm. The woman said her name is Velveeta. Oh, my God. So stripper named Velveeta is creating this uh, labor union for other strippers to ensure that they're safe during the pandemic. Sure. I looked at Jimmy and I said, well, it seems like she's really committed to her craft. (laughs) He was shocked. He looked at me. He's like, that's actually pretty good. That is very good. I love that. (laughs) I don't really eat Kraft macaroni and cheese, but I did as a child. And so I was like, you know what? That's not bad. Brian, I think that's a really good joke. And you deserve that victory sip from the Nathan Fielder mug. Hell, PG-13 is a show. I think I've sworn twice and I've talked about strippers, which I think all of those things are fine. I completely agree. Okay, this is a two-part question for you. Part one, who would play you in a movie? And part two, what chapter of your life would make the most compelling movie plot? Someone who I would love to play me in a movie and I would feel very honored is someone that I've actually met. I, I, mm. I met Charlize Theron earlier this summer. Oh, amazing. She's incredible. Like I've, she's I've always incredible. been such a huge fan. We share in a lot of similar views of, you know, in the world on education mm. and and certain, you know, reforms that should happen. And she's very actively involved both politically and, and in really fighting for women's rights, even in Hollywood as well. Mm. And so I think there's a lot of similarities there. It was interesting because this kind of goes into the second part. So when I was living in Australia, my close group of friends were all from Durban, South Africa, which is a small town, not the safest. There was a period of time where I had been to Durban multiple times to go to friends' weddings. As someone who, you know, in my 20s was a bit naive i would say like we all should be like i had a lot of fun cuz i cuz i was pretty naive i told charlies we were we were catching up on just you know places we've been you yeah. know things outside of work stuff or you know things on a, on a lighter note and I said, well, I've actually been to Durban quite a few times. And the first time I went to Durban, I didn't know what kind of car to rent. And I was kind of poor at the time. So I rented a Toyota Corolla, which mm. is the wrong answer in South Africa because you should have a four-wheel drive. Oh. So I was driving around Durban by myself as this oh like my God. 23, 24-year-old girl. Oh, my God. <laughs> and a Toyota Corolla. I flew into Durban and I had to drive maybe two and a half hours north-ish to a game reserve, which is where my friend was getting married. Mm-hmm. Halfway there, I was kind of like... Cell reception wasn't great, oh my stopped God, and got gas. like did all these like things that I probably shouldn't have done, uh-huh. but grateful that that makes for a fun story today. Yes, yes. And the first thing that happened to me when I get to this game park, gravelish main road then turns into a very, very dirt road and it's pretty sandy, oh, hence oh. why you need four wheel drive. Oh, so yeah. So I start driving down this sandy road and there's a lion laying on the sand. There's a lion? Lion, like, like thick, thick main lion. I come to find out that it's mating season. Oh my god! In South Africa as well. Fortunately, I had some reception. There was there was Wi-Fi. We weren't too. I wasn't too far from the the game park called a friend I'm like hey yeah I don't really know what I'm supposed to do (laughs) there's a lion there's a lion in the driveway and so I I don't know how to how to drive down and I think I'm gonna be late I mean I honked and kind of waited and you honked at the lion I was like I don't know what else to do I can't drive around it it's pretty sandy and so I'm just gonna keep honking I have several questions first of all how far away were you from the lion at this point I was was like front of the car less than a foot away from the lion, like very close that is so close close. to a lion that is so close to lion. You get far enough along where it's like it didn't make sense for me to back up because I didn't have reception and now I'm like connected to the wi-fi of this uh, Right game but park. forward is a lion. Forward is a lion but my doors are locked and so it's probably fine. <laughs> oh I'm just God. like I'm gonna miss like all of the pre-wedding festivities. Okay I hear you. The stakes were pretty high. Stakes were high. A lot of these stories from my 20s like I've just done a lot of maybe adventurous and naive things that I probably would not do today. But I think the culmination of those stories would make for a pretty funny movie. Okay. All right. I love it. So we're doing, wait, I have to know what happened. How did the, did the lion move? Yeah. Lion move. What I learned, and this is uh this is maybe fun facts when it comes to the animal kingdom during mating season, the lions don't really move. It's actually like oh. the male lions get really skinny and frail. Like he would just lay there and like, wait for like a woman to come along Oh, and so, so he wasn't (laughs) aggressive. He was actually like quite emaciated and like really starving himself to find. Oh, wow. But that's interesting. He moved like maybe not even five feet away. So he just kind of got up, moseyed along, didn't see him again. Like he just kind of laid back down and chilled. And at no point were you like, I'm going to get eaten by a lion. No, I mean it was okay. like you know, like a big lazy cat. Like it was just you know, I, I was more concerned that oh this lion God. was never gonna move. I was gonna starve in this car waiting for wow. the line to move. Okay. And that would have also been tragic. I'm glad that you made it out of there. So we could tie together a lot of these vignettes and then weave them into like a larger story about your twenties and kind of these like adventures, a lot of travel and picturing a lot of travel and maybe a lot of like Cooking or interesting food could be a component of the movie. Sure, yeah, food yeah, looks sure. so beautiful on film. Like you can shoot it in a way that like is very colorful and dynamic and stuff like that. Historically, I would have said, working in tech, we don't really have that many stories to tell that show up well in uh, like in a motion picture. Hmm. That being said, all of the Emmy contenders and all of these new shows are tech related. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. whether it's Theranos or WeWork or uber all of these large tech stories actually can turn into um quite an interesting tv show so tbd you know hopefully like knock on wood hopefully i uh, am not caught up in any of these tv worthy uh startups yes exactly in i was gonna say those uh, <laughs> all have something in common <laughs> that i think we're trying to avoid here Absolutely. but I, I think that that would be great okay that and i'm sure that charlie's would be thrilled <laughs> sure fabulous okay we're gonna take a quick break and then we'll be right back this episode of Non-Technical is still brought to you by Knock, flexible, reliable notifications infrastructure that's built to scale with you. Take notifications off of your engineering roadmap and get back those resources, baby. And by resources, let's be real. We mean time and money. Building notifications infrastructure in-house takes time, and time is money, and that money could be spent on way better stuff, like, um podcast ads for example that's just i don't know that's just the first thing that came to mind knock's powerful features include pay as you go no upfront fees and no infrastructure setup required created to handle even the most complex notifications use cases knock is built for scale and resiliency to power your enterprise knock knock who's there <laughs> it's a powerful api that lets you engage users power cross channel workflows and manage notification preferences i cannot believe it got- Ed Gavi approved. Get started today for free at knock.app/non-technical. That's k-n-o-c-k.app/non-technical. And we're back with Bree Kimmel, the founder of WorkLife. Brianne, we have arrived. We have arrived at a very exciting moment in this episode of Non-Technical. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, we have arrived at the lightning round. Oh boy! Yes, very <laughs> excited to go take an improv class before we <laughs> do this do you remember when i wanted to call this round the friends and family round i think you should <laughs> let's be cl- We've been friends for a while now. I love the idea of interviewing successful people's partners. This was another idea yes. we talked about. Oh, one of my finest ideas. Yes, I, I have never love done this, that. and I hope someone does it. I oftentimes, whenever I read about you know an interesting VC or yeah. a founder that's doing amazing things, I'm like, I actually want to know like what do they like at home? Yes, who is their partner? I'm sure they're right. equally as interesting. And so yes. I, I hope someday you uh, podcast number two is that. Oh, that'd be so interesting. Okay. Yeah. Podcast, podcast number three. Don't forget about our podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay. Lightning round. Here we go. First question for you. Coffee or tea? Tea. What kind of tea? Oh, lately I've been drinking Earl Grey a lot lately. I also love, this is so funny. I I think I started drinking this when I was in middle school. I always go to Aveda salons and I'm obsessed Mm. with Aveda's tea. It's very good. Really? Little, Little on the expensive side, but their tea is really good. You have to like licorice. It's like a little bit of a oh. licorice undertone, but it's very good. Okay. You also like bubble tea. Do I remember I that do. correctly? Okay. I do. Do you have a favorite board game? Lately, I've been playing a lot of Catan. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I feel like that's a lot of people's favorite board game. Though. I'm trying to think if there's anything back in the day that I loved. That's okay. You can you can like something a lot of other people like. I like playing Blackjack. I would Ooh, say if I'm going too. to Vegas or going to a casino, I love playing Blackjack. Yes. But board game would be Catan. Blackjack 21 is my favorite casino game. So fun. It's great. Okay. If we ever end up in Vegas at the same time, we got to hit the blackjack tables and we have to go to old Vegas. I'm a really big fan of old Vegas. I okay. love playing blackjack with like little old ladies that are smoking Virginia perfect. Slims perfect that are wearing like the same outfit that they were in 1982. Like I just great. love old Vegas. That sounds fantastic to me. I don't know that I've done old Vegas. And so I'm very interested. It's fun. It's a date. Do you have... A pump-up song. I would say all of Dua Lipa, any song, mm. whole album. I'll just go mm-hmm. start to finish Dua Lipa. Like, I love yep. it. Upbeat. Yep. I'm also a huge Mark Ronson fan. The DJ? Yes. All of my friends mm-hmm. will say, I'm just such a huge Mark Ronson fan. And so <laughs> that anything that he's done with Dua Lipa <laughs> or uh, Amy Winehouse, I love. Yes. He has some really good remixes. Yeah. Okay, great. Do you make the bed with a top sheet or no top sheet? Top sheet. Yeah, me too. That's do like people not do a top sheet? Many people don't do a top sheet. That's what I've learned. That's been one of my most profound learnings from doing non-technical. I thought that everyone used a top sheet and then they don't. And I don't know what to do about that. So it's a fitted sheet and then you just throw a blanket over top or a duvet over top? Yes, people do that. Someone recently said they use two blankets, which we even we agreed was unhinged. And then many people go fitted sheet right to the duvet. Huh. Yeah. I'm warm tempt all the time. Okay. I'm always very hot. So this thought of not having a top sheet is really really
1: terrible. I don't like
0: the lack of optionality. It presents like that you would be, it would be nothing or the comforter. I can't live like that. I need options. Yeah. I don't really use the duvet ever because I'm a very warm sleeper. You never use a duvet? Rarely. I guess you're in California, but still. Yeah. But also not having a top sheet, not using a duvet, you're just like there's nothing protecting you from like I know. you sleeping in like the outside world. I, I couldn't do it. Yeah. That would make me insane. Okay. That is the right answer. This is the only lightning round question that has a right answer. So you've answered correctly. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever read a book twice? No, I don't
1: Never think once. so. Never once.
0: That makes sense. I feel like you're very efficient with your time. This is super nerdy. And this is something, there are books that I revisit a lot. Um, There's one book that I revisit a lot called The Ascent of Money. It's about the history Mm. of currency. Oh, cool. A lot of people jump straight to the future without really understanding the past.
1: And Mm. I think whether
0: it's venture capital or looking at new currencies, you know, like cryptocurrencies, like you have to understand how money actually works. And so there's been a handful of these books that I'll revisit, go through specific chapters, maybe highlight a few points. And then I will share that with friends as they're thinking about the topic Hmm. But I would say there hasn't really been a book that I've read, you know, twice from cover to cover. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, this is sadly my last question for you, but what would you title your memoir? Probably something about taking chances. It would have to be something along the lines of, creating your own way, carving your own path, like something along the lines of that. Just because I feel like a lot of the common thread throughout my life is that I've taken risks and I figured it out along the way. Yeah. Okay. You know, I get asked this question a lot. I grew up in Northeast Ohio, very far from Silicon Valley. Most people worked at General Motors or Youngstown, Steel Door, or a lot of these very like blue collar, traditionally related industries. I liked playing video games. Then I learned how to make websites. Then Mm -hmm. I learned more about technology and so it's always been these it's like an endless pursuit of things that I'm interested in and I think venture yeah. is a good example of that where you get to pick themes that you care about and really go at it and really chase ideas with as much energy as you have I liked your question earlier like I'd also want to incorporate some some personal life stuff too like yes. I lived to different countries mm-hmm. I'm not afraid to uh pack up and move with just one or two suitcases and so I think that's something I'd want to reflect in the memoir as well Okay. So then here's what I think you could call it. I'm going to hit you with this idea. What if you called it the lion's path? <laughs> I love that. I love that. <laughs> because you talked about moving quickly. You talked about really going for things. You also talked about not letting obstacles. Hello. Like a lion shape obstacle, perhaps stand in your way. <laughs>
1: I That's think this great. is great.
0: Yes. So it could yes. be called the lion's path or it could be the lion in your path either. I love that. Yes. Okay. So those are for you. My gift to you uh, is naming your memoir. And I think that that'll be the perfect bridge. I'm glad that we just tied that up with a nice little bow. Now you're all set for your memoir. Brianne, thank you so much for finally coming on non-technical. I know. Thank you so much for having me. This has been a ton of fun. Oh my God. This has been so fun. And where can people find out more about you online? I'm still pretty active on Twitter. It's at Brianne Kimmel for more on work life, which is the firm that I started back in September of 2019. It's worklife.bc. Amazing. And you can find me at yayalexisgay on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, and at non-technical pod in all three of those places too. One more time, Brian, I can't wait to see you for real soon, but until then, have an absolutely wonderful week. Thanks again for having me. Bye.